You're listening to DraftKings Network. If I was agent, that's what I would have said. If you're offering 135 over three, great. We'll take it. Cut the contract off after three. And then he'll be a free agent at age 29. Great. Would the Ravens do that? Probably not. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'm your host, Andrew Brandt. We're produced by Jack Connell, musical producer Sam Brandt, my son. You hear his music below. And we are presented, as always, by DraftKings. I wanted to do this early in the week because news strikes this morning, Monday morning, March 27th, that Lamar Jackson has requested a trade, and this happened weeks ago. I'm going to do a rant, and it's going to be about the NFL owners' meetings, and it's going to be about... Lamar Jackson, of course, will continue on the Aaron Rodgers trade or no trade. Who's got the leverage? But let me first take you inside what happens at these owners' meetings. Everyone gathers. There are contingents from all 32 teams. The contingents include ownership, head coach, administration, PR, and the top management. So I went every year for 10 years in sun-soaked places like Arizona, where they are now at the Biltmore outside of Phoenix, at the uh, Breakers in Palm Beach, beautiful. Even when I went once in Hawaii, beautiful in Maui, they stopped doing that. There's also the resort in um, Cyprus and Orlando that they used to go to. So they move around, but it's always a nice place. And if you're living in Green Bay like I was, you try to get there early and stay late to enjoy the weather in March at uh, these beautiful locations. It was always a nice trip. They have great uh, opportunities for not only the owners, but also the wives, the friends, all these excursions while it's going on. So what happens is there's a lot of presentations by the competition committee on what goes on, what the new rule changes are, and they kind of run it by what I was, which was the working group, work, we're called the Working Club Executives, WCEs. We listen to the presentations before they get to the people that matter, the ownership exchanges. So the ownership listened to the competition committee after we would, and then of course they would vote on it with a recommendation from the committee. So we hear that the tush push, the Philadelphia Eagles play where they push Jalen Hurts and they always get those fourth and ones or third and ones, those short plays. That was not, is not going to be recommended by the competition committee. So that's not going to pass. Competition committee having an 8-0 vote of their group is always going to be an indicator that it should pass the entire membership. And again, that's what this group is called, the membership. Always interesting seeing other people from other teams, sitting around, meeting them. And there's social events. Monday night's a big party for everyone and everyone hobnobs and media is there as well. So it's a big event, the NFL owners meetings. Again, it starts on a Sunday. They usually have a big speaker for us. Uh, I remember David Brooks from New York Times was one. Uh, Eric Schmidt from Google. So that's the start of the event. And then it gets an earnest Monday morning where they show a whole video of the season, get everyone excited. 
present sort of uh, hosannas to the Super Bowl champion and runner-up. All those kind of things happen. And now the head coaches are meeting with the media. And this is what goes on. Now, there are a lot of meetings that everyone is there. There are some meetings where it's two or three per club, meaning the owner and two others. And then there's meetings that are just one per club. So these are the highest level meetings that the commissioner calls. And the rumors are that they're going to have a high level one per club meeting this week to talk about Daniel Snyder and the commanders. I'm not going to get into more of that today, but there's always talk about what's going on with the commanders. I don't even know if they'll address it this week, but we certainly think that Daniel Snyder is perhaps getting ready to sell the team. Word comes out this week that the investigation by Mary Jo White from the NFL is not completed because Daniel Snyder won't submit for an interview again. That's another sign that he's going to sort of skip out the back door before he has to do this. But then he's threatened in, uh, to seek indemnity and things like that. So we don't know exactly where that's going to go. Okay, so that's setting you the stage for the owners meetings. And that's what's happening now. Uh, the big news breaks this morning, Monday morning, and it's about something that happened on March 2nd, 25 days ago. One of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, someone who's been aligned with this team since he entered the NFL, first round pick. Lamar Jackson has told the Ravens that he doesn't want to be there anymore and he wants to be traded. And he continues that he wants to go to another team and chase the Super Bowl and thanks to the fans of Baltimore, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, Coach Ravens coach John Harbaugh is answering questions and he makes light of it and says, hey, it's social media, whatever. We want Lamar here, which I translate to we haven't gotten a really good offer yet. So here's a lot. I, I've talked about this before, but here's my thoughts on what's happening now. Lamar Jackson, with or without an agent, is disadvantaged by a few things. Number one, the elephant in the room, of course, is the Deshaun Watson contract. It is a fully secured five-year guaranteed contract, which Lamar supposedly, reportedly, we don't know exactly, but he wants. Since the Watson precedent a year ago, it has not been a precedent. So the quarterbacks have done deals. Now, they're not, excellent. They're, not, they're not elite quarterbacks, except for Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, a contract that's now terminated. They didn't get any kind of fully secured money. They just go back to the traditional one or two years guaranteed structure as well as Russell Wilson. So he gets the one, two year, basically you're safe and then anything could happen. So Lamar Jackson tries with it, without an agent, even though these other players are agented players, to get the fully guaranteed and he's shut down. So there are three things disadvantaging Lamar Jackson here. Number one, players and agents of other top quarterbacks since the Watson deal have not pushed the envelope on trying to get a fully guaranteed deal. Number two, the management weapon, which is extremely powerful, especially in this case, the franchise tag. Number three, owners such as his owner, Steve Bashotti, collusion or not, making sure that they don't give out a fully guaranteed contract like Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, did. Whether it's collusion or not, whether you can prove collusion or not, it's happening. Owners are binding against this precedent. So as we sit here today, 13 months past the Watson contract, we have no precedent from Watson. And owners hope that we look back in a year, 
10 years and say, oh, wow, that was kind of a shot in the wind. That Watson contract never happened again. On the franchise tag, ultimately, this is what it comes down to for Lamar Jackson. He played out his rookie contract. He should be a free agent. He should be able to negotiate with multiple teams, which may indeed result in a fully secured five-year contract. He can't because of the CBA allowing a franchise tag, giving all the leverage to the Ravens. The Ravens have his rights. The Ravens can trade his rights. The Ravens can keep his rights. The Ravens can sit on him until September. When is is he really going to walk away from $2 million a week? So that's what we're looking at here. I feel for Lamar Jackson. As to the agent discussion, well, again, an agent's not going to be able to say, we want to not be able to tell the Ravens, you got to give us a guaranteed contract. If they're not going to do it, whether it's an agent or not an agent, it's not happening. So Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent and he doesn't have a guaranteed contract. What could the agent have done? Maybe try to grease the middle with what I've talked about before. If they're offering a four, five, six year contract with three years guaranteed, take the three years guaranteed, hopefully at a $45 million level average and say, that's it. And maybe he's done that and then be a free agent again at age 29. Well, I think he'd make extraordinary wealth doing that. I don't think the Ravens would do it. I think that's the problem. If I was agent, that's what I would have said. If you're offering 135 over three, great. We'll take it. Cut the contract off after three. And then he'll be a free agent at age 29. Great. Would the Ravens do that? Probably not. Would an agent have an, would an agent have tried that? I would think. Certainly I would if I were helping Jackson, because that would be a way to bridge it. They don't have any precedent problem. Kirk Cousins got a fully three-year guarantee. So there we go. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson. I don't think he'll be traded anytime soon. And if we get past the draft, we'll see. It may be the Ravens just Ravens just waiting him out. Because what is he going to do? That's the ultimate problem for players. What are you going to do? Are you going to sit out and lose $2 million a week? And that's way down the road. Okay. Speaking of way down the road, <laughs> it looks like this Aaron Rodgers contract uh, trade is still not going to be until down the road. Listen, Robert Sala, the, the coach of the New York Jets, asked about it today, said something like, uh, no problem if it takes a long time. We have the coordinator. Zach Wilson's our number two. Listen, people still think that <laughs> I've had this back and forth with people for, for, for weeks. I don't see any argument how the Jets have leverage. <laughs> are you telling me that people are suggesting, well, now it's Lamar Jackson. Come on, people, grow up. This is not fantasy football. This is not sports talk radio. If the Jets were interested in Lamar Jackson, that would have happened weeks ago or days ago. It's not happening. The Jets aren't even pretending. You know, the Packers didn't fall off the turnip truck. The Jets aren't pretending that there's another option, right? The Jets are going to get them. The only thing comes down to what's the trade. And they're both kind of digging in their heels. Now, I do admit the Jets have the leverage of being the only suitor. But I think it's more likely the Packers get another suitor than the Jets pivot to someone else. I'll say it again. It is more likely in my mind that the Packers attract another suitor, whether due to injury, whatever, 
Then the Jets pivot to another quarterback. The Jets are not pretending to be interested in anyone. The Jets are not feeling that anyone out there is stupid. They're not going after Lamar Jackson. They're not going after a rookie. They're not going after Ryan Tannehill. We know who they're going after. And that's it. That's it. So the trade. I've said this and I wrote this. I think the trade is the back, back part of the trade is easy. Not easy, but easier. A 2024 pick from the Jets to the Packers that starts at a fourth, goes to a third, maybe a second, and maybe a first based on Rodgers' playtime and performance. And a 2025 pick if Rodgers plays a certain amount in 2024. We don't even know if he's going to play in 2024. The hard part of the trade is the 2023 pick. The Jets acquired another second last week. Are they offering us two seconds? They're probably not offering a first. What's going to be the trade? The Packers want a first. The Jets want two lower picks. We'll see where that ends up. And that's really the holdup. In my mind, I don't know. I'm just saying from the outside. So the leverage play continues between the two again. Come on, people, with arguing the Jets have leverage. Aaron is not showing up and dropping a weight on his foot in April. As to Aaron showing up in in training camp, okay, you want to play that game that this goes on through August, this this standoff? Good luck with that. (laughs) Okay. So that's my feeling. Uh, The Aaron trade continues. Okay. And let me get you some more rants, but first a word from Labatt's. Labatt's blue light. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, all the stuff that goes on with watching sports and having a nice time. But if you really want to take things to the next level, you got to drink some Labatt blue lights with your friends. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Okay. A couple other things about these owners meetings I really want to discuss. The gambling part. This is astonishing to me. There's word that either today, tomorrow, Wednesday, there's going to be a vote on allowing in-stadium sports books, which there are in a couple of places, uh, certainly Arizona and Glendale, to be open during game day. That hasn't been allowed before. It's been allowed, which again is stupendous in its own right, that teams and stadiums can build in, in-house sports books never been allowed to do on game day. And I remember the NFL having these games in Wembley in England where they had the kiosks in the in the concourse. The NFL would close those kiosks when those teams NFL teams are playing at Wembley, no kiosks. Well now, they're not kiosks, they're sports books and they're going to be open. I, it's amazing to me and that's probably going to pass at these owners meetings today or tomorrow. And here's the here's the thought. I remember like 5 years ago the NFL would not allow Tony Romo and many others to go to a fantasy football convention in Vegas. The NFL fought the state of New Jersey for seven years with tens of millions of legal expenses to stop a state from implementing sports betting. Oh my God. Now the NFL's all in. They're all in. And this is just another thing that makes me shake my head. Gambling is embraced and part of the fabric of the NFL, a league that was so concerned about integrity. It lost moral high ground when it approved a team in Las Vegas. But again, we're sort of in a whole nother level here. So gambling in stadium sports books will be allowed, it sounds like, after these events. 
The other thing I mentioned before is the commanders. Daniel Snyder, I don't know if he's going to be there. His wife may be there. It just continues to be a stench on the NFL. Uh, it seems to be happening. We've got Josh Harris, the owner of the Sixers and Devils, bringing in Mitch Rails, native Washingtonian billionaire in the area. We're bringing in Magic Johnson. We've got the Canadian investor. I can't pronounce his name, Greek name, coming in. We've got potentially Jeff Bezos or no Jeff Bezos. We've got Tillman Fertitta, uh, owner of the Houston Rockets. It seems like it's going to happen, but you know my saying. I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, but that's out there. That's out there. Uh, could Daniel Snyder actually sell the team? And again, this is a different thing. And, and the other thing is what opposition, or I'm saying, or, or let's put it this way. Is there any move to get Snyder out until we know he's selling or not? That's another reason why I think there's a potential sale. There's no more Jim Irsay saying we got to get this guy out of here. Maybe that'll come today or tomorrow. But Snyder seems secure until he sells the team. Now, somehow that doesn't happen. Okay. Then you would think maybe there's more of a move, whether to sarver him or to actually push him out. Okay, we'll see about that. The other thing I want to talk about uh, with the NFL is Goodell. We talked about this last week. Looks like he's going to be approved for a major extension. He is the face of the league. He takes the bullets so the owners don't have to. The, the highest selling team when he came in 2006, I think, was the Vikings at like $800 million. Now the commanders are going to go allegedly for up to $7 billion. I mean, that's a marker right there. You know, like I said last week, the two big deals are done. The media contracts, except for the direct TV part, done through 11 years. The, the CBA, as we just talked about the franchise tax, so team friendly, done for 10, 11 years. What's the next priority? Is it going to be globalization? Is it going to be AI? Is it going to be tech? Is he the right guy for some of this uh, new generation stuff is what I wonder. Do you want someone a little more gen whatever to come in? Uh, because I think those are going to be the new priorities for the NFL. It's like, uh, what's the future? Not sort of lording over the owners as he's done for the past 17 years. Done a great job in terms of the business of the NFL and sort of putting his thumb on the union and, this, and putting his thumb on the TV networks. All right. We'll see where that goes. Final little thought, uh, back to March Madness. I watched, I've been engrossed in this tournament this year, uh, and the men's and women's, because obviously at Villanova, I know a couple of those women, uh, they went out in a really tough loss to Miami on Friday. Uh, boy, this is interesting to me. In the world of NIL, uh, where the common narrative was, with NIL for high schoolers and transfer portal, all it's like free agency. It, it's... The players are going to congregate, have these super teams. We're going to lose parity. And that may have some uh, truth when it comes to college football, but college basketball, no way. What we're seeing in college basketball is more parity, talent at every level, and the transfer portal and NIL working to equalize rather than have bigger disparities. So I think it's fascinating. I'm watching these teams as they sit here today. Of course, the final four is San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Connecticut, and Miami. Three of the four, except for Connecticut, 
have never been to the Final Four. There is no one, two, or three seed in the tournament. This is fascinating. So um, we're going to have either San Diego State or FAU in the final on Monday night. I mean, this is great. Everybody loves the underdog. And again, they're not too much of an underdog. We've got a nine seed. We've got a two five seed and, and a three seed or four seed. So uh, it's just great for sports. You know, this is what people love, this idea that you could bump up from lower levels and, and do this. So I'm a fan. I enjoy watching these games. Um, and the point is on the business of sports is that Every time there's free agency talk in the, in the annals of sports law, you have uh, owners in NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, et cetera, saying, hey, if we allow free agency, everyone's going to congregate on the best teams. We're going to have these super teams. You're going to lose parity, blah, 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 blah. Everyone's going to go to certain markets. Hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. You know, you have the super teams in the NBA, but that's different. That's just players deciding to do things together and players having leverage. But uh, no, hasn't happened. And then the NCAA uses the same argument. Hey, if we allow transfer portal for NIL, which is basically free agency, it's going to have this uh, dramatic effect and disparity. Hasn't happened. And the NCAA tournament this year is a shining example of that. Even on the women's side, you know, two number one seeds out. So, which never really happens. So again, NIL, we can debate it back and forth. We're still in the Wild West phase. I've been doing symposia about it. That's where we are. Okay. All right. Listen, if you're around Philly this week, Friday afternoon, we'll get the link up there. I'm hosting a major symposium on sports. I'm going to have Ross Tucker. You guys know him so well. I'm going to have Justin Tuck of the New York Giants. I'm going to have other sports leaders, and I'm going to have a one-on-one interview with Howie Roseman, the executive of the year of the NFL, the general manager of the Philadelphia Eagles. You got to sign up the link below. See you on Friday. Newsletter, andrew-brandt.com, Sports Business League, andrew-brandt.com slash SBL. I'll give you daily videos, weekly meetings. And of course, Twitter, Andrew Brandt, my reels on Instagram, Andrew Brandt too. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you like it, give us a good rating. Give us a review. Always appreciate that. Share with your friend. I'm trying to make this as unique as possible. Nobody does a podcast like this. I hope you're enjoying it. All right. Thanks to my producer, Jack Connell, my music producer, Sam Brandt, my son, that music you hear under us. Thanks to you for listening this Monday edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. I'll be back next week.